Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to the Wellness Watch. I'm your moderator, George Strait. Asthma, that all too often wheezing, coughing, breathless, sometimes debilitating condition that affects one in 10 African-Americans and kills us at a rate almost three times higher than whites. The statistics are alarming, but they're also personal. These are not just numbers, they are people. That's our focus today. The people who are caught up in the statistics, the personal stories, the personal struggles, the personal strategies to overcome this terrible disease. And our guest is Charmaine Anderson, this young woman who has lived with asthma her whole life. She's actually helping her child. She's got two children who've got asthma. She's helping them deal with it as well. And also, she's also become an advocate to help others who learn to live with asthma, learn how to do it. Ms. Anderson, welcome. Thank I guess you. our first question is how long have you have you been dealing with asthma? Um, I've lived with asthma my entire life. Um, I was born in the 70s where the treatment for asthma was much different than it is today. But yes, so I've had a lifelong journey um, living with asthma. You know, this is this is personal for me as well. Uh, I, I had asthma as a child and my oldest my oldest son had, uh, had asthma. We, we made, you know, like all parents, I guess, and maybe like your parents and maybe you too, had that midnight trip to the ER. What was that all like? Yes, um, certainly as a young child, I. I recall those repeated emergency visits to the doctor because I couldn't breathe. Um, again, just the treatment options were not kind of in the house as one per se as currently we have now where you can have inhalers and the like um, on your person. So I, you know, constantly had those trips to the ER primarily because of just my living conditions, particularly um, at that time. Um, we lived in an apartment. Um, with my family, we had a pet dog, we had wall-to-wall carpeting, we had windows where, you know, weren't, you know, weren't necessarily sealed very properly, so it'd be cold in the winters, um, and in the summers, it'd be warm outside, and certainly, or warm inside, and certainly, we'd have the occasional pests, the cockroaches, the mice, etc. So, living through all of that um, certainly caused a lot, a lot of visits to the doctor and the ER. And so in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, uh, what kind of what kind of medications, what kind of treatment were you able to uh, to have? You know, my upbringing was pretty much, again, my treatments were at the doctor's office, um, you know, as far as, you know, getting those repeated shots of at the time it was epinephrine. There were no inhalers at the time when I was um, having my early asthma journey. Um, and then as time went on, you know, there were different types of steroid um, treatment options where, you know, you could take a, a, some medication um, to kind of help open up your lungs. And certainly as I moved into my more young adult life or teenage life, when inhalers became more commonplace, I was able to use inhalers more regularly or have them available to me um, to kind of help prevent the frequent trips to the emergency room or visiting my doctor. So, how would you describe asthma's control or lack lack there of, of, of your life as a, as a you know as as a young child in elementary school and as a teenager growing up? I mean, what about playing with your kids, playing and playing sports and those kinds of things? 
were you in control of your asthma or was your asthma uh, a real a real a real a real drag on you and and your your well-being it was a burden i i must admit um particularly as a young person um you know there were many times where i couldn't participate in pe as one calls it um physical education in school um, because my shortness of breath would kind of appear um, and limit my ability to actually participate in whatever the instructions were for the day. Um, certainly, I grew up in a neighborhood. I lived in an apartment complex where everybody played outside. And, you know, when the air quality was bad, I knew at that point, too, just, you know, I couldn't really go outside because I couldn't breathe um, because summertime heat and humidity um, and certainly the pollen. Um, and so, again, just my physical activity, I felt, was very limited. Again, a lot of it was from just not knowing how best to manage my condition. And uh, t t tell me how your, how your parents reacted to all that. How, how were they able to support you through all this? Interestingly enough, um, my mother was a smoker also in my house. Um, so we dealt with that. And I recall, even as a young child, um, kind of begging her to stop smoking because I couldn't breathe. Um, she did go cold turkey when I was in my elementary school age uh, or years, and um, which helped kind of in inside my home. But, you know, kind of as far as outside and, and kind of understanding how best to help me manage my condition um, as a young person wanting to go outside all the time and things of that sort, they did limit that um, because they knew the impacts of just kind of being out in the pollen or in the extreme heat. Um, where it's going to cause kind of impact my breathing, not necessarily understanding the correlation between that being an asthma trigger, but knew that there were moments in time where I had more time where I was tough to breathe versus um, being able to breathe a little more, you know, freely. Do you think that this is just a, a matter of, of, uh, of, of generations in, in that in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, maybe there wasn't as much information about how to control your asthma uh, as there is now. Uh, or were you just in a situation where that uh, whatever information was, was, uh, was out there was just not available? You know, me working now in the advocacy space, I will say I feel like the information wasn't necessarily trickled down enough. Um, particularly in, you know, my community, I would say, or within my, you know, again, I have family members who I can, you know, can repeat the same story for, um, where, you know, there were challenges about, okay, what is this? How is this? How do we prevent this? Why does this keep happening? Um, and so, again, I think from an educational standpoint, there was a lack of knowledge, per se, because it wasn't just really a conversation. Um, when you go to the, when you went to the doctor, it was, let's just fix the issue. Um, and then again, a week later, it's the same conversation. Let's just fix the issue because the issue is presenting itself, not necessarily understanding how maybe to prevent the issue or manage the condition. So tell me about your children. Uh, they, they, they've, they've got asthma too. So how have, how have they been functioning with asthma and how have, uh, how has your experience growing up with it helped in being able to manage not just their disease but also the way that they the way the way that they interact with that disease sure i mean knowledge is power um <laughs> i think you know as i've you know grown up into my own adulthood and, and had children who you know have been you know diagnosed with this condition um you know first and foremost it's 
certainly staying on top of medications. Um, I think that's one of the drawbacks of just not being able to stay on top of your condition is like not utilizing medication as, you know, as uh, prescribed. So making sure that, you know, there, A, there is, you know, a diagnosis, there is a, a, a treatment plan where, you know, there is medication that's been prescribed and certainly following that as prescribed. Because um, I think oftentimes, you know, we can feel better um, and then don't necessarily follow through on really what the actual treatment plan is. And it kind of comes to our detriment um, in that it, you know, doesn't really help us any in the long run. I think also just helping them to understand what their triggers are. I mean, they're, they both have very different triggers, whether it's environmental or whether it's more exercise induced or whether, you know, one has both asthma and severe allergies. So just monitoring and trying to stay on top of what their triggers are um, that would bring on kind of a, an asthma or a wheezing episode. And certainly even in the cold weather, you know, making sure that they are dressed appropriately and being mindful of just, you know, trying to prevent catching colds, right? In order to hopefully where that cold doesn't turn into something more severe where it's impacting their lungs and couple that with an asthma attack and it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So just really helping them understand kind of the, the big picture of, you know, having asthma and what that means and really how best to help manage it in order so it's not kind of a frequent occurrence, but rather something that, you know, you don't necessarily think about every day. Whereas when I was a kid, it was a constant reminder in my life that I had it because I always felt like I was either fearful that it was going to be a, you know, an asthma episode or there was one I could feel coming. Um, so just trying to help them understand again what their triggers are, making sure they adhere to their medications. Um, and they, you know, they're both now young adults, college and beyond, um, and have kind of done very well um, in that space. But hoping that again, just how they live their lives will be a reflection and help others do the same. I get a sense just listening to you that at some point in your life, you decided that you were going to take control over, over asthma and you weren't going to let asthma con uh, control you. Uh, what was what, what was that eureka moment for you and how have you been able to to, to pass that on to your children? Sure. So I was I'm, I'm very active um, and I recall again, like I said, growing up, I had to sit out a lot in my physical education classes um, at school, um, but I love to dance also. So I was a dancer um, and ironically, I got recruited to join the, um, at the time, it was the Washington Redskins as a cheerleader and became a cheerleader and realized that my love of dance was gonna be outside. And I used to have my coach hold my inhaler on the sidelines in order to make sure like when I came off the field that I could use it. And it just became one of those, it was so much of trying to balance kind of my asthma and being able to perform. And again, I became a runner so all these things really kind of was that eureka moment of like, okay, I got to get myself in check <laughs> and really kind of understand how best to manage my condition. And, you know, it, you know, we're so used to, and again, I, and I say we, because again, in my advocacy work, I've learned that, you know, it's so easy to kind of quickly grab that fast acting inhaler versus really managing your, your condition with other type of treatments that will help your lungs sustain themselves by using more longer acting inhalers 
um, that can kind of help you not have to kind of resort to those fast actor ones all the time and other treatments obviously as well. Um, but again, it just really helped me kind of sit back and go, okay, I need to be able to not be fearful of my asthma and be able to enjoy my life and enjoy the things that I like to do. So I'm still a runner. Um, and so I, you know, between that and I love to play golf. So again, those types of things that I thought I would never, ever think that I could do because I had asthma um, is now kind of my front and center versus asthma taking control of my life. So what kind of strategies, given that experience, what kind of strategies do you have for, especially parents uh, who have children who have asthma and maybe these parents haven't had asthma as part of their background. This is new to them. What kind of strategies do you have for them? I think, under, again, like I said, understanding what asthma is. Um, and certainly asthma is not the same in every person. Some have much more severe um, asthma. Again, recognizing what my triggers are. I mean, many people between, you know, whether it's dust, it's air quality, it's pets. I mean, just really understanding what those triggers are. I mean, I was even, I've had triggers by walking in a department store with towels because of just the fabric of the tile. Soon I came out of that section of a department, I was wheezing. So really understanding what those are and try to avoid or mitigate those um, triggers. And then lastly, again, stay in touch and stay connected to your healthcare provider. I, I, we can't do this alone. Um, and so we really need someone to help monitor our conditions, to help provide us with those various treatment options. Because again, there's a plethora these days um, versus when I was growing up. And so again, like I said, Every asthma, um, every person who lives with asthma has it a very different, different way, and there's different ways to treat it. So just to stay on top of that, and I think as a young person, you know, we don't want to stifle their opportunity and let alone just the things they would love to do because asthma doesn't have to stop your life. Um, I think everyone can take control of their lives and be in control of these chronic illness. So when you're talking about your healthcare providers and staying connected, that's, I mean, that, that's really great advice. But what I'm wondering is, how important do you think it is for African-American families to seek out a health care provider uh, who is also African-American? <laughs> I will tell you, as a, as a mother who now has a daughter who just finished her first year in med school, um, the shortage of Black doctors is real. Um, and I think, you know, again, even from a statistical standpoint, Black Americans suffer um, much more with chronic illnesses than our counterparts. Um, and so the idea of having a, a black um, physician to kind of be that point person of care, I think is hugely important. And I say that in the context that, you know, studies have shown that you know, black patients have better health outcomes by, you know, being cared by someone who looks like them. Um, because again, there's a sense of comfort, there's a sense of familiarity. I mean, Basically, like I tell my daughter and I have these conversations all the time, like we kind of know where each other's coming from, right? Because again, many of us have lived the same, you know, have walked the same walk, kind of understand kind of some of the challenges that we're up against socially, economically, you know, you name it. Um, so I think it's great to have just that ease of comfort by sitting across, the, you know, sitting across from someone who can understand your, your journey, understand your background a little bit more. Um, understand your culture. Um, and then more importantly, I think, you know, with my, even my daughter, she just came from a one month um, internship in a, in an underserved area where, you know, folks like the like doctors, like, you know, 
those type of doctors that can provide that, you know, easy access is really what's needed. Um, and so again, I think just from a, you know, a, a comfort and accessibility and just kind of, again, I know where you've been, I know what you're going through kind of moment. I think that's, that's the benefit of having, you know, more black Americans that are serving as doctors. Just, uh, just one more question from for, what, what can a parent do to, to be an advocate for, 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 for better treatment of asthma, an advocate for, for more information about, uh, about asthma? Tell us about the Allergy and Asthma Network and the kind of advocacy uh, role that, that it plays and, and how it can inter, uh, interact and intersect with parents and, and, and folks who have asthma. I think, again, as I said earlier, um, knowledge is power. Um, and, and with Allergy and Asthma Network, that's kind of what we do. Um, we are there to give as much educational information and, and, and just some insights about the conditions. I mean, again, from an asthma to allergies to other conditions like eczema. I mean, we have a library of information. And certainly one of the other things is you know, we highly recommend, and even me being an advocate, and as I talk to my own children, is to go in with questions. When you're going to your physicians, I mean, come already with questions. Um, don't let the physicians dictate the conversation. This is about your care or your loved one's care. And the most you can do, if anything, is to ask the questions. No question is, is wrong to answer or to uh, pose to a healthcare provider. Um, and as I said, with Allergy and Asthma Network, we have tons of resources to support, you know, caregivers and patients in their journeys um, with these chronic illnesses. And certainly me as the director of advocacy, one of my key roles is to interface with both state and, uh, state and federal governments and, and those legislators to kind of push policy um, by way of helping support patients and their caregivers in this journey. Ms. Anderson, as they say, Thanks for sharing. Not to be too dramatic about this, but I'm sure that what you have shared will likely save somebody's life. So thanks again. Thank you. We've, I got, a of, we've got a lot more information on our website, aawellnessproject.org, and also at the Asthma and Allergy, uh, the Allergy and Asthma Network's website. That's asthmaallergynetwork.org. That's all one word, asthmaallergynetwork.org. We hope this podcast has empowered you and your family to take better control of your health. Thank you very much for being with us. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.